Hello, funky listeners, and welcome to another episode of Smooth Jazz uh, with Kyle. Hello? Well, you didn't say I was here, so I wasn't going to say anything. Oh, uh, there's another person in the room. I didn't want to shock the listeners. Yeah. <laughs> well, welcome to this uh, podcast with only one host. Oh, wait, there's a second one. Hello. He, he's right behind me, isn't he? I'm being stabbed. Call 911. This is not smooth jazz. This is funk radio. And yes. that's Kyle. This is Peter. You are the listeners. And we are the world. We are the children. We are the ones who make a brighter day. So the topic we're going to discuss today is actually one that I wrote down maybe a year ago. Nice. Longtime listeners of our show who don't exist, but if they did, would know that we kind of have just a running document that we've always had since the beginning of the show, and we just write down ideas as we think of them. And then Mm -hmm. if we flesh them out enough with actual research, then we'll do them. Yay. Uh, And I wrote this one down a long time ago, and we haven't touched it until recently because we're running out of more recent ideas. This is basically taking a closer look at uh, the format of EP or extended play as it's also known. Interesting timing with this too, because I think I recently had a conversation with my sister about this, basically talking, and this might actually be a good place to start with this conversation too, is the difference between like an EP or an LP, uh, et cetera, in music Mm -hmm. and what they mean. Well, um, if we're looking for a sort of dictionary-style definition, uh, the difference between an EP and an LP is an EP uh, stands for Extended Play Record, uh, and it's a recording that usually offers more tracks than a single, which uh, we've discussed singles on this show before, uh, are usually a small 45 uh, RPM record that has a song on either side. But yeah, as opposed to that, an EP um, usually has between four and six songs, mm-hmm. um, whereas an LP or a full record usually has between eight and 12, sometimes more, if it's a double LP or whatever. Yeah. Um, EPs are usually, I don't know, the little brother of the full record and yeah. often are used because they're a little bit less expensive, a little bit less time-consuming for an artist to produce than a full album. If they yeah. need, need quick cash or something. Yeah. I don't think EP... I mean, like, if you're going to compare them to LPs slash albums, I mean, they're far, far less common. Oh, yeah. I That's that's actually a good segue. Something I was kind of thinking when I was researching this, it does seem like newer artists come out with EPs as opposed to more established artists. And it makes sense, I suppose. Yeah, I was actually just thinking about that too when I was setting up getting ready to record this. Uh, that I've noticed, because like, you don't see a lot of EPs out there, but if you mm-hmm. follow a lot of, not even up-and-coming artists as much as just kind of like independent yeah, ones yeah. who like post a lot of their stuff on SoundCloud, for example, like a lot of the time they'll release EPs because they have, let's say, you know, like you said, four to six songs that kind of follow a same theme or they kind of, they're they're bundled together in such a way that doesn't really justify an entire album per se in the traditional sense, but it's still kind of a nice release of multiple songs at a time. Exactly. 
that's that's kind of a good way to put it too. I think indie artists and and newer artists too use EPs as a way to kind of get themselves out there um, more quickly and more easily than like oh if we have to you know take a year and you know develop an entire full album blah blah blah. Yeah, um, I notice EPs are used a lot with like you know sort of indie rock or electronic artists. Um, yeah. Maybe, I don't know about so much about rappers, but yeah, as opposed to, um, you know, more established genres like, I don't know, rock and pop and whatever, mm-hmm. like Britney Spears never had an EP. She right. just got found by Disney and they're like, make her a star. I, I will jump in really quick and say on this show, we've done only one review of an EP before. I don't even remember what it was. <laughs> uh, it was about a year and a half ago. We did uh, The Shapes by Miami Horror. It was Oh, yeah. Remember that one? It was like five songs long. I yeah, think. yeah, yeah. And they do a lot. It was much more like 80s inspired. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that is one, one of several different cases of when, you know, I think an artist goes into making an EP. Uh, in a case like that, they have a very specific theme in mind and all those songs follow that same theme even like especially if it's not necessarily what they do normally if they say hey we want to try this with a few songs but not make an entire album out of it exactly so yeah i mean as we were saying eps are used more by less established artists but the funny thing about eps is they've been around for a very long time i didn't know this when i was researching it but i guess the first example of an ep actually came around before an LP, which I guess makes sense when when hmm. the, the they were literally developing records and like how how they were going to work, it was probably easier to put hmm. fewer songs on a piece of wax or whatever than it was, you know, a full ten right. songs. So Yeah, I f- guess the the concept of an album release hadn't really been established yet, so Yeah. There's so, nothing really to compare it to at the time. That's kind of interesting. Exactly. So yeah, EPs obviously evolved over time with the evolution of music formats, but the earliest multi-track records were actually issued around 1919 by a studio called Grey Goal Records, and they were cut out of uh, 78 RPM discs, which I know we've talked about that before on the show. Before 33.5 RPM records, they had 78 RPM which spun a lot faster and were a lot thicker because it was just the technology of the time. Um, mm. But they would cut these multi-track records onto 78 RPM discs that they called two-in-one records that had finer-than-normal grooves so that they could fit more songs onto it. Mm. So basically, you know, in 1919, a 78 RPM disc could have like one song and they were like, oh, let's just make the grooves thinner so we can fit more than one song. And then poof, you have an LP or you have an EP. Interesting. Uh, so. I would not have guessed 1919 as the first I, know, right? I would have guessed much later than that. I know. Well, it's interesting because since EP stands for extended play, I think the logic is like, oh yeah, this record you can play more than one song so it's an extended playthrough it's extended beyond the scope of a single song so in that way it's like ep is kind of the natural evolution of the single Hmm. so yeah as the as the format evolved obviously it moved away from 78 rpm over to 33 and a half rpm and 45 rpm respectively um singles and full lps 
during the 50s, actually, this is kind of interesting, um, RCA published several, several EP albums that had Walt Disney movies on them. It was, it was sort of like an audio retelling of the movie, uh, almost like an audio book for a movie, I guess, as well as songs from the movie. Mm. And the funny thing is they actually usually, uh, would feature dialogue from the original cast of actors and actresses that did the voiceovers. Mm. So that's cool. It's not something you see nowadays. No, I mean, well, I don't even, do they really do like the, the, not book on tape, but kind of a similar idea to that nowadays like like an audiobook for movies like uh, i think i had some cassettes like that as a kid they probably i mean i would think I they would they have i would think they would have to just for like blind people you know hmm. like if you go to a movie theater or whatever or something like don't you have to have some way to have the movie described to you i don't know how that works you have a guy sitting next to you telling you what's going on everyone else in the theater hates you <laughs> and you say hey Shut your mouth, my friend is blind. <laughs> That's terrible. That would actually be an interesting uh, topic for a future thing, is uh, music accessibility for disabled people. Boom. New topic. Is is that a thing? I'm sure it's got to, it has to be a thing. Uh, in uh, in that movie Baby Drive, remember that guy that was kind of deaf, where he would uh, put his hand on the speaker to feel the vibrations? That's true. I'll just write blind people in our document and we'll figure it out later. <laughs> oh my god, we're going to hell. Um, so yeah, in the 50s they would have these uh, EPs that had Walt Disney movies and soundtracks on them. Each album actually featured, contained two 7-inch records that you know would have songs and the movie. Uh, as well as a fully illustrated booklet containing the text of the recordings that children could follow along by reading. Oh, lovely. So, yeah, that's... Huh. I guess you wouldn't really call that an LP or an album. No, well, I, I think... it's kind of a special case. I think what they're saying here is that as albums evolved, uh, because um, 45 RPM records could only hold so much um, music, you know, as far right. as the time span, uh, when they would come out with the EPs, they would more than often just be like multiple singles packaged together as opposed to like having it on an LP and that, and that LP being like only half etched in or something. I don't know how that work, works right. actually. Huh. It's funny. I do actually have somewhere in my record collection, I have an EP and it's really interesting because it's a full size record. It's 33 and a half RPM, but the grooves only go like halfway through the record. The rest of it is just smooth. Oh, and, I, and it's I only like, on one side too, I imagine. Yeah. And I was like, that seems odd. <laughs> so they're like using like a quarter of the space. Yeah. That's weird. I've never seen one like that. Do you remember who the EP is by? No, unfortunately. I, I have a handful of EPs. Most of them are electronic artists. But hmm. but yeah, it was just interesting that they would use a full-size record for an EP and then just not use the whole record. Yeah. Hmm. So, I guess yeah. they're not. I mean, that kind of made, maybe that. Blah, 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 I can't talk. Welcome to Funk Radio. I think that might speak also to the uncommonness of EPs, too, since there was never really a, a format developed specifically for EPs that was really widespread. That's true. Like, That's they're true. kind of ham-festing it into existing mm. common formats. Mm. I do have an EP. Uh, I think it's by Wax Taylor, if you know him. Uh, I think like, so. It's like a 
jazz style DJ guy. Yeah. And that EP is actually a 10 inch record. It's played at normal 33 and a half speed, but it's just smaller. Uh, so that's hmm. another format that I assume they would use, uh, oh, okay. down the road when they would be developing EPs. They're like, well, let's just make a smaller sized record. Well, LPs uh, are 12 inch. Is that correct? Yes. And, and 45s are seven inch. Seven. 7, 10, 12, okay. And then obviously as, as formats evolve to, you know, 8-tracks and cassettes and CDs, EPs sort of moved along with those formats, but they also kind of died out a little bit because it seemed a little bit more pointless to be putting, you know, half a number of songs on hmm. these newer formats or whatever. I wonder if that's a reason, too, historically, with really these physical formats being the only way to distribute your music without a commonly available or cost-effective means to produce an EP. Mm. I wonder if that's the reason why a lot of people didn't do it. And if they're like, well, if I'm going to put in the cost to produce this, I might as well just make a full album out of it. That's just speculation, but that could be a thing. Yeah, I mean, I guess that makes sense. Um, From a a numbers perspective, it's like, why are we going to spend the same amount of money we would to produce a full record as far as manufacturing and only put half the songs on it. Right. Whereas yeah. now everything's digital. And exactly. That's a lot of platforms kind of, don't cost you anything. So. That's what I was kind of getting towards was it seems like EPs have made a comeback because since music is digital and streamable and whatever, it costs them nothing. <laughs> and, it, and in fact, right. it's almost an easier way for them to get themselves out there. Right. Because it's like, oh, hey, I made these four, four songs I don't want to make another four, so I'm just going to wrap them up in an EP and put it on Spotify or whatever. Well, it's, I think it's a interesting way, to, especially for someone who's trying to get them their name out there or release things more often. It makes sense because you don't, like you said, you don't have to wait till you produce twelve songs before you release something. You know, you exactly can do four and then get it out there. Yeah, and and. That goes back to, you know, it's it's a good medium for newer artists, for less popular artists or whatever, mm. to connect with their fan base or to get notoriety. Mm. As Like I was saying, though, as, as CDs evolved, um, EPs started kind of becoming less and less common. Uh, and the, mm. the few that did come out on CDs, they would actually... Um, kind of call them singles, but their singles would just be four or five tracks. So it's almost like they kind of just took the word mm. single and, and said, oh, an EP is a single now. That's weird. I know. I wonder why CDs in general, because CDs are pretty flexible in terms of how much you can put on them. I'm curious why that made EPs even less common. I don't know. The funny thing, though, um, is that in the 80s, I, I guess EPs were actually pretty popular with punk music, and it was okay. a way for like punk artists to kind of get themselves out there. And because punk songs, there's always that kind of you know joke, punk songs are only a minute long. They're always really short. There's some truth to that, yeah. They could fit four or five songs on you know a seven-inch, basically. Oh, okay. <laughs> because, <laughs> That's pretty because, funny. Yeah, because it's like they're so short, you could basically fit two songs on one side. Um, huh. so I guess, yeah, in the, in the early eighties, I guess that was a way for punk artists to get themselves out there. Before we go any further, Kyle, should we uh, take a short break? Yeah, I have to go to the bathroom. Well, good. 
Good thing that I said that. Yeah. That you didn't have an accident. <laughs> God damn it. Hey, Kyle. Hey, Peter. Do you know what a website is? No. It's a thing on the internet, and you can go there, and it's fun. Is that where I can find things to do? Yes, you can find things to do there. <laughs> uh, getyourfunk.com is a website for funk radio, and there are, you can find our, our episodes there, and you can listen to them, and you can download them, and we have a tip jar. Do you like money, Kyle? I love money. Well, people will give us money there at getyourfunk.com. Yay! <laughs> Do you have a favorite episode of Funk Radio? I like the one about butts. Well, at getyourfunk.com, you can use the search bar and type in butts, and it'll pull up our episode that we did a while back about butts. Yay! And now back to our previously scheduled content. I'm back. Hi. Did you have a nice time? I did. <laughs> I just realized this is... that the stupid sounds I was making was me pretending to go downstairs, and it's like the auditory version of a guy pretending to go downstairs. <laughs> I was thinking that. So, a fun fact about EPs, uh, the 90s grunge band Alice in Chains was actually the first band to ever have an EP reach number one on the album charts, and that mm. was in the 90s. So it shows how... Little traction EPs got in general. Until then, wow. Their EP was called Jar of Flies, and it was released in January 1994. Ten years later, uh, Linkin Park and Jay-Z did a collaboration EP called Collision Course, and that was the next one to reach the number one after Alice in Chains. Hmm. So it took ten years for another one to do that. <laughs> so wow. it kind of shows how little recognition EPs generally get. Well, you probably you have a lot less attention being given by like music promoters and stuff. Yeah, and record labels and stuff. Like I'm sure there's less revenue to be made there, so they have less motivation to put it out there cuz I I mean, I I wouldn't say this is the case every time, but I think in general EPs tend to be the artists experimenting in one way or another or just having like a pet project that's important to them versus like the record label saying, Hey, you need to make this many songs and they have to be hits and make us money. So that in that sense, it kind of makes sense that they would only be chart topping every like decade. <laughs> exactly. It's funny though, because yeah, now, I mean, it, it's I mean, both Allison chains and uh, Jay-Z slash Lincoln park were, big names so it's kind of funny right. that they uh came out with eps respectively at all and didn't well, just be a full album right and that also shows that i mean you really have to be a top name like that in order for your ep to even really become public knowledge on true. that scale true true mm. another thing that i thought was kind of interesting but weird kind of showing the evolution of eps was mm. In 2010, Warner Brothers Records actually kind of revived the format with what they called uh, a six-pack offering, where you got six songs on a compact disc. I don't understand what the point of that is, because by 2010, CDs yeah. were kind of already on their on the well, downside. Yeah, and like I feel like digital 
music stores were already kicking in 2010 like yeah. by far, so I don't know <laughs> why like, that is a thing. It's like, hey, CDs are dying, so let's make CDs with less songs on them. <laughs> I don't understand that point. Yeah, that's really late for that to be a thing. Yeah, I, I read that and I was like, okay, I'm totally just writing this down because it's so stupid. Right. <laughs> uh, good job, Warner Brothers. So, some questions that kind of arose as we were researching this, um, and that we kind of answered a little bit, but we'll, I guess, kind of wrap wrap them up. Um, sure. What are some reasons an artist would re- would choose to release an EP as opposed to a full fledged album? We kind of basically said, you know, the, the ease of produ- production, a way of getting their name out there. It's easier to write four songs than it is eight. Um, Can but, you think of any reasons that we haven't talked about yet? Just uh, for sake of uh, conversation. Oh, like, like why they would come out with ones? Yeah, uh, like what would be your uh, motivation to release an EP? Uh, I, I guess another thing is if you're self, uh, if you're self promoting, like, you know, you don't have a record label yet and you are mm. playing shows and you want to give out, you know, CDs or whatever, maybe, uh, maybe it's easier to give out an EP than it is to give out a full album, I guess. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I kind of would assume that with the advent of CDs that, that excuse would kind of go out the window though, because you know, you could just buy a bunch right. of blank CDs and yeah. put music on them. Whereas, like, that's it. I just, I just thought of something. This is an interesting mm. topic. What? Okay. So before CDs and cassettes okay. or what? <laughs> Imagine blind people. Yes. Uh, before CDs or cassettes or whatever, when new artists would try to promote themselves before they had a proper l- record label, how would they? How would they get their music to their audience? Because it's not like they could just go and like. Oh, even before the days cre- of like mixtapes. Yeah, it's not like they could just go, you know, make a bunch of LPs and give out give them out at a concert. That wasn't something that like the average person right. had the ability to do. So, if they're a new band and they don't have a record la- record label yet, or whatever producing them, like, did they just have to hope that their shit got on the radio? I don't have like a super informed answer to this question, but we're, we're funk radio. We don't need to. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Touche. I would think that at some point, you know, as you go back in time in order to have any kind of, uh, notoriety, notoriety at all, whether it be radio or anything, you, you have to get in the door in a record label first. Yeah. That's a good point. And hope that you impress somebody there. With your performance, that, other besides that, I don't think you really could do anything. That's a good point. It's it's it, it's the idea of once cassettes and uh, CDs became available for the average person to record on, that was kind of the advent for people being able to self promote before they had a record label. Whereas before that, it's like you had to to be a musician, you had to get a record label. That's interesting. I'm gonna write this down. Uh, I'm sensing a little bit of similarity to the topic we did quite a while ago about, um, like, bootleg records. Yeah, yeah. Maybe, like, the evolution of... Or basically releasing music in the underground scene. Yeah. It's similar to that, but not quite the same thing. And I'm curious if there's some history of, like, underground self-promotion. I was going to say, we could kind of flesh it out and just talk about the history of music promotion and, like, how it evolved... That might be interesting. 
Yeah, I'm going to write this down just in case it turns into something. Cool. That's two different radio top future topics I just pulled out of my ass in one episode. I'm on a roll. <laughs> <laughs> Every funk radio episode, we just talk about what we're going to do the next episode, but not what we're doing. <laughs> God. Oh my god. Uh why don't we go on to the, your next question that you wrote? Oh yeah. So since EPs don't usually ca- obviously carry the same commercial or financial expectations as a full album, does this mean that EPs are a way for artists to explore creativity a bit more without the pressure of developing something uh that, you know, has a money making hit single? Uh, I would say, yeah, actually, I think I touched on that earlier. Yeah, I was going to say that kind of ties back a little bit into the first uh, question and also our subsequent talking about it is EPs give artists a bit more freedom. Uh, And that's actually actually something we kind of haven't talked about. The the few EPs that I do remember stumbling across from either artists I like or on Spotify or whatever, it -hmm. seems like artists often create EPs as just ways to experiment outside of their normal, you know, contractual LP obligations, you know? I, uh, I'm interested to know if, like, let's say you're a fairly big name artist and you're assigned to a, a label of some kind. I wonder if it's, if it is or isn't in their contract that, like, if they create an EP, well, for one, it won't be the property of the record label, but for two... Like it won't be promoted or anything. So, is I'm I don't know if I'm making any sense, but like they can release albums all day long, and it'll you know that'll be fully backed by the record label. But if they mm-hmm. decide to make an LP, maybe it's like well you're on your own, and if you want to try to get that out there, go for it. Um, but it yeah, also that's... doesn't carry the same weight of having to make something that could be like a radio hit. That's a good. That's a good point, and maybe. Maybe that's part of the reason that EPs kind of uh, are, are are so rare is because uh, people that are under record labels are kind of you know contractually obligated to create albums to you know right. make that label money. Uh, so that's that's actually a and maybe good they question. don't have time to do it or they don't have the energy or they're not allowed to. I don't, I don't really know the reasons for that contractually. Yeah, that's no, that is actually a good question. Uh, or like if an artist, you know record some songs on the side that aren't necessary they don't necessarily plan to be on their next album you know mm-hmm. do they approach the label and are like hey i have these extra songs you know can we release them as an ep uh to make a little bit of extra money that you know didn't make the cut of the final album or something right. that's interesting uh I mean, i'd be curious if a lot of eps are like kind of like cutting room floor songs that didn't make it on albums that they wanted to, try to make some cash on I'm definitely willing to bet there are cases like that. EPs are just reject LPs. <laughs> so are we like the EP of podcasts? Yes. We're, yeah, we're the podcast that other podcasts don't like. So I guess, the, and the final question we kind of covered a little bit is, have there been any historically significant EP releases? Uh, we mentioned Alice in Chains and um, Linkin Park slash Jay-Z. Uh I can't yeah, think it's of hard, any it's hard to, Yeah, it's hard to identify any significant, historically significant ones because really aside from like a couple of small scale ones in the recent years, I, I can't really name any EPs. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't personally think of any famous EPs 
or if it was a famous EP, I probably didn't realize it was an EP and just called it an album. I don't know. <laughs> if anything, because so so much music, almost all music now, is released in streaming formats, I think like the namesake EP is going to stick around just because it's kind of a a simplified way of describing like a small album mm-hmm. uh, as as something that's going to evolve into its own physical medium. I, I think that's kind of long gone. Um, I think EPs are more common now, like we were saying, just because, you know, it seems like every kid with, you know, uh, Pro Tools and a Mac thinks they're a DJ, so uh, they put their shit on SoundCloud and they have, like, five songs, so they're like, here's my EP. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I think there are cases like that for sure. I think there's also legitimate artists who post things on sites like uh what's the other one uh Bandcamp, yeah is another yeah. popular one mm-hmm. um for like indie artists i i think sites like those are a hotbed for a lot of eps true. nowadays true true um and if you you know if you generally listen to music and genres that don't really uh, typically play well with platforms like that then you're probably not gonna even hear about eps even as much as we do which really isn't that much mm-hmm so yeah, EPs are kind of an interesting but uh, not often used format that kind of is a way for artists to promote themselves without having to make a full record. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So if you like cutting corners and not doing all the work that you could do, tell us on Facebook at facebook.com slash getyourfunk. And if you don't want to do any work, then go to getyourfunk.com and listen to us there. And there's no... Uh, there's no obligation to say anything. And yeah. You can't really say anything. You just listen. You don't have to interact with us like that one lady that said she liked our waffles or something. Yes. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, it took me a second. <laughs> yeah. Also, something I was just thinking about. Remember you said the guy, the old guy in Baby Driver? Yes. Who would like put his hand on the speaker? He wasn't yeah. blind. He was deaf. <laughs> so were you were you talking about deaf people the whole time i don't know <laughs> okay i'm gonna write down both and we'll see what we come up with uh, i don't I don't whatever anything regarding that don't tell us on facebook please i don't want to get hate mail all right we should probably stop talking forever yeah bye <laughs>